Brian Reisman, host of Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Over the last few years, singer-songwriter Eve Minor has explored the depths of her heart through a diverse mixture of styles on releases like American Tragedy and Dear Diary, I'm Over It. Each new effort offers something different. You might get a raw piano ballad, a dark metal dirge, or an ambient trap track. She does not limit her vision. She simply expresses herself in the moment with whatever approach works best. Sometimes, it's a blast of punk. You can check out her tunes on Bandcamp. Beyond the art of making music, Eve has a passion for fashion and also immerses herself in tarot and divination. For this episode of Side Jam, she spoke about what it means to have the gift of sight and how to use it wisely, why those who can see the future for others cannot see it for themselves, plus we delve into fashion, the styles, trends, and designers she loves. Eve also just moved from New York City to Los Angeles during the pandemic, and that was an adventure in itself. This interview definitely offers an eclectic mixture of topics from an eclectic artist. This quarantine has been kind of nutty, hasn't it? Oh man, I moved this past month, so I've been in LA for like three weeks. Oh wow. So I'm adjusting to that, but it's like, you know, you're in New York City, so you saw what was happening, you know, at the start of this whole pandemic. So we had it really bad in New York. So I was like basically escaping New York in so many words where I was like, oh my God, like I need a, a little shift here. This is a little crazy. And so I come to L.A. and it's fine the first week. And now they're experiencing <laughs> what we... And so I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> not again. What did I do? So was that what, what was the main reason that you moved to L.A.? Were you planning to do it anyway? Well, I was going to. Actually, I have this whole big thing. This is going to sound strange. Uh, I've been scrying and it's kind of like a big universal energy shift thing for me where it's like right. there's something that I'm looking for in the universe and the energy led me to LA. So I had been planning this since probably January. And it's like, maybe like last month, I was like, there's never going to be a better time because, you know, the world's gone to shit. Now, I mean, it's like, there's never going to be a better time than now. So I was like, just go. If what you're looking for is out there, just go. And so then I arrived here and I'm just like, I wasn't looking for another lockdown. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a tall order to be moving across country during a pandemic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the precautions I had to take with flying and just everything in general, I was super, super careful. I got this UV. Uh, my friend Paul Booth uh, told me that there's UV lights that kill and disinfect air. Right. Right. So I this like UV light. I sat it in my lap. I had this like N95 mask gloves, hand sanitizer. My oncologist told me to wipe everything with Lysol wipes. So I like, like a mad woman, Lysol, like my seatbelt, as per her um, direction, like my seatbelt, my um, seat. I was just like super, I was dehydrated the whole way there. I wouldn't take off this mask for shit. Wow. So explain the whole scrying thing. Um, okay, so I've been practicing divination since I was like really li- little. Uh-huh. And divination is like, uh, I don't know if you know what divination is. It's basically fortune telling right, right. in a way, um, like looking into the future. Um, so scrying, you can scry with a lot of different things. Scrying is pretty much just like looking into the future and trying to figure out, for me personally, where my energy is going. Where is the next universal shift for me okay. personally? Yeah, because I know we we're, we're going to talk about the fact that you're into tarot. Yeah. I did two really great readings yesterday. I've been reading a lot lately. Now, does this mean you can make some money like as a side hustle? Well, it's interesting.
interesting because somebody who's like naturally, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot, right. someone who's naturally gifted and kind of like born with those kinds of talents, money isn't really the objective. Like it's nice. Like I like I accept tips, I accept donations, but it's kind right. of this weird thing where it's like, if you accept money, you are in a propensity to lose your gift because that gift is not for it's kind of like Kabbalah stuff too. It's like that mysticism is not for capitalism. It's not for personal gain or benefit. So if I were to like, I guess, put a price on what I do or uh, make it about money or monetary value, materialism, I would lose my gift. And I like don't want to do that. <laughs> so I'll accept donations. I'll accept presents, but it's unnecessary. It's not really my objective, you know? What do you think of all the different fortune tellers that are around the country, like have their own little shops and or at different events, things like that? Well, I have an interesting thing about that. I mean, I was actually telling somebody yesterday, we had discussed it because I had given her this really great um, financial and career abundance reading. And um, she was telling me how, you know, oh, wow, it's like the best reading I've ever had, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she was telling me about other readers that she has gone to. And I told her a story about like, I went to this because I do psychic psychic mediumship too, uh -huh. but they just kind of come out in readings. Like if, uh, for example, my friend yesterday, her father and uncle had passed away and I didn't even know that. And they kind of came through in the reading and I had told her that they said hi and messages from them. But um, we were talking and uh, I've been to a couple other readers like when I was younger and it's kind of interesting. Somebody who's more inclined can be like, hey, listen, you're full of shit. Like for me, I've gone to like one reader in Times Square and I was like, listen, don't even pull your deck. I know you're lying. And the woman laughed and she was like, okay, get out of my store. <laughs> or like, a, I mean, look, you either know or you don't. It's intrinsic knowledge is like a deep sense of knowing. You either have it or you don't. Your cards are your tools. They're not really, you read, like for me personally, I read energy. So it's like, any asshole can learn how to read what a card is. What you're really looking for is somebody with a, like intrinsic knowledge, someone with deeper feeling, intuition, stuff like that. So like for me, it's like the cards are just like little placeholders. I'm really just psychically reading you. Cards and shops and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a cool little gimmick. But if you're like a real reader, it's somebody that's not going to be at a storefront. That's like a word of mouth reader, you know? Well, it's interesting because I was watching this movie called Night Tide with Dennis Hopper. They came out in the early to mid-60s. And bizarrely enough, it was turned into a musical at the New York Musical Festival a couple of years ago. It was done more as a comedic version of it. In the story, is the, he's, he's like a sailor who falls in love with a woman who may be a mermaid. And he goes to a reading, like a tarot card reading. And it's really one of the most accurate, if, if not most accurate, depictions I've seen. Because, you know, I love horror movies, but they always want to go for the dark, spooky version. The death card means death, which isn't true. Oh, it's not true. And so in this movie, it was like a completely normal reading where it was like a little, it was a little mysterious, but it, she, it was, it, it felt like it was an actual real reading, which I think it probably was. I've never seen that movie, but like, it could be. I mean, I feel like the best film and cinematographers usually use elements of real life stuff, you know, or so maybe that was definitely a, a real reader. I mean, do you, you, know? ro do you ro roll your eyes at a lot of the horror movie stuff and you got the death card? <laughs> Actually, it's really interesting. So um, my talent lies mostly in psychic remote viewing. So okay. 
it's hard for me as somebody who has like intrinsic knowledge to watch movies and TV primarily because like acting is a beautiful craft. I'm not shitting on acting at all. I love right. acting. I think acting is beautiful, but somebody who has sight, which is what they call it in mysticism can kind of like be like, Hey, you're lying. So <laughs> it's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Can't appreciate it as much as I want to because it's like, Hey, you're lying. Hey, I, I know this isn't real, which sucks, but there's like a lot of other movies I like, like if like horror films, for example, yeah. like uh, psychological thrillers, I'm like, cool, there's a mystery, even though like I like have to th turn off my third eye and be like, hey, don't ruin the surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really appreciate films and stuff like that as much as I want to. Well, you know, it was interesting. I was watching this movie called The Awakening with Rebecca Hall, which came out, I think, around 2011. And I, I found it on Netflix a few years ago. She's a spiritual debunker. So it takes place in London in, like, 1921, I think. And she's post-World War One. And the opening scene, there's a seance going on. All these people are invited in. They're all, you know, they're all trying to connect with their sons, you know, who died in the war. And in the midst of this thing, there's a raid. And they, they, they you know, they arrest these frauds for, you know, these, this fake reading. And she's talking to this cop out, outside. This old woman walks up to her and, uh, you know, she wants to be apologetic about the fact that, you know, this woman had been scammed. And the woman just slapped her in the face because I don't think she cared if it wasn't real. I think she just, just wanted to feel a sense of hope. It was, it was an interesting comment. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, like regarding like shop fronts and things like that, like a lot of people who are going to readers or any type of, I guess, divination are looking for like a glimpse of hope. Where is my future going? It, more often than not, it's people asking love advice. You know, like most people are intrinsically lonely and that's just kind of like a burden of humanity is to be lonely and to find something to complete your loneliness. It doesn't necessarily mean an, a partner, but more often than not, it's a partner. So a lot of people who go to readings are like, where is my love going? Is there love for me? Is my relationship gonna work out? That's mostly, I guess, like Pandora's box. Like, here's like a glimmer of hope. Here's something for you to hang on. But like my kind of, I mean, I did a, I did a full love spread for my girlfriend for the month of July, and, and she's been living it up. It's actually a really funny story. So I used to play in a punk band with her in okay. Bensonhurst. I was like way underage playing in this shitty punk band, and it was amazing. Her band's not shitty, but I mean, the premise, yeah, yeah. regardless. We reconnected and she was like, hey, read my spread. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like looking for love and, you know, I don't know where it's going. I was like, let's do a full spread for the month of July. And so the reading ended up being what I called the summer of D because I was just like, dude, you're going to be swimming in dick this uh, whole summer. Wow. <laughs> and it's so funny because I was like, you know, there's um, an emperor's coming your way. An emperor's a major arcana card. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just like. It's kind of like, uh, well, something that, that she would okay. be looking for. Exactly. So I was like, there's somebody coming your way, you know, but there's also like all these options for you. And they're like, you know, you need to live your life and live it up, whatever, whatever. And so this was like probably like two weeks ago, three weeks ago that I had read her. And she actually messaged me and called me like two days ago. She was like, dude, I've been swimming in dick <laughs> so many dates you were right and i was like it's not me it's just like the universe i just read you i just gave you what's happening i'm not 
I didn't create that. But do, do you think part of it too is being able to read the energy of someone that you know sort of has that confidence or this are there certain cues you pick up from people that can give you an idea of why you're thinking certain things? Actually, it's interesting. I don't look at anyone when I read. It's like um have you ever seen like monks that meditate or people who do trans transcendental meditation or seen, um I know David Lynch of- is a big fan of transcendental meditation. I talked to him about that like 10 almost 10 years ago now. There's a few people in Hollywood that are like big fans of that. I guess it's supposed to really chill you out and help you see more clearly. Yeah, so like anything that has to do with third eye stuff, like for me personally, like I it's it's kind of like it comes from another place, right? So like I don't look at anyone because it's kind of like um muddying your okay. reading. If I read your body language or if I read your uh I guess like your your eyes, your expressions, whatever, it's it's dirtying my reading. It's giving me um cues that don't belong in your reading because i'm reading energy and like it's universal energy and and spirit like ancient spirits and stuff like that so it's like if i were to look at you it would kind of taint where the reading is supposed to go if that makes sense have you ever had a reading given to you that was pretty powerful or that you thought oh this is true you're not lying it's funny because I end up going like my friends have taken me to readers when I was younger and I ended up reading them. But I'm trying to think if I ever had a reading that I was like, wow, this is extremely accurate. Let's see. Yeah, like a million years ago, I actually have this um, problem with sleeping. Like I would sleep and see things that would happen vividly like a week later. So I started writing down everything um, that I would see in my sleep. It was like really just like I thought I was losing my mind when I was younger because huh. I was like, I didn't know that like pineal gland stuff and like third eye stuff. I had no idea that that existed. I just thought I was like this creepy little <laughs> child, <laughs> this creepy little child that knew things I wasn't supposed Wednesday. to know. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, what the fuck? And then I would like see things that like at the skirts of my bed and that's like mediumship. And I was just like, listen, I'm like a deranged, creepy little child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I had no idea what was going on. So my friend was like, hey, um, you know, I had gone to a rabbi for Kabbalah stuff. And um, I had this like intense conversation because I was like, listen, I'm a creepy little child. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm creepy and I know things that I'm not supposed to know. But it's more like uh, Kabbalah is like more mysticism, but it kind of ties in with, uh, I guess, um, reading. And uh, they had told me it's called sight and dreaming dreams, which is where you dream actual okay. events that will take place. So that it came from a rabbi. So that was like the most, I guess, accurate reading per se that I had, like the most like eye opening thing, because that kind of like made me think, hey, there's more to life than what you see. Or like, uh, for me personally, I was like, I'm not just a creepy little child who sees ghosts. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated with that stuff, but it just never happens to me. Like, there's certain people that can sense stuff. Or like, you know, sometimes I see it, you know, my girlfriend's cat. Like, she's looking at something. And like, I always wonder with things like that. But I, I'm fascinated with the supernatural. And you know, I've never had a supernatural experience, as far as I know. I've, I've met people who've claimed to have them. In a way, I guess it's also been stated that, you know, a lot of a lot of the kind of society we live in doesn't allow for people to be open to things anyway, because we're locked into a certain system of thinking. It's much more about things, I guess, than about ideas. Well, absolutely. I mean, well, I believe that now we're in the age of Aquarius, right? So we're dawning on a new era, like all this stuff with pandemia, all this stuff with um, different types of 
uh, thought modules collapsing. It's all because we're dawning on the age of Aquarius. And the age of Aquarius calls on for higher thinking, calls on for people to meet their twin flame, which is a, a highbrow third eye concept. So that whole module of being locked into like a nine to five and if you can't see it, it doesn't exist and all of that, that's kind of getting dissipated. But to be sensitive, I feel like a lot of people, like children are sensitive, children can sense certain things and then you're kind of taught that it's wrong. (laughs) So I feel like a lot more people, like for me, like I've been, you know, developing my talents since I was very young, like four or five years old, but it was kind of like I couldn't, avoid it. It was unavoidable for me because they were just everywhere. And I was just like, what the hell's going on? I'm creepy. I'm crazy. And it just ended up not being the case. But I think in the new generation, there's a lot more clairvoyance allowed or being discussed or being permissible. And I think that maybe in years to come, there'll be a lot more people with uh, intrinsic knowledge or have like more developed gifts of those like supernatural gifts, I think. You know, I've heard the cliche that like people who have intrinsic knowledge can see things for others, but not for themselves. Is that true of you? Oh my God, yes. Let me explain to you. <laughs> I want to know. That's I'm curious about. Oh, that. you can't read yourself because you. It, it's kind of like um, you, like you said, hope, right? So, like as a human being, you have hope for certain things. You wish for certain things. You want certain things. Um, You'd want to believe something to be true, even if it's not necessarily meant to be because you want it. So like for me, I'm like, oh, man, I really wish this guy would call me because I liked him and I messed it up. But it's like instead of, (laughs) oh, my God, I eaved the situation. That's what my friends call it. Uh, You know, like stuff like that. So it's like I can't read myself because my propensity would be to give myself hope, which is not necess- it may be true, it may not be true, you know? So it's like kind of tainting my own readings or tainting my own, I can't read my own palms, I can't read my own cards. But if I see it in a dream, then I know it's true. Like if I see vividly me rekindling with someone and it'll be like a weird little piece of like we were at a museum or like we're holding hands, like some like weird little piece of information and I write it down, it'll come true and like, two or three weeks Hmm. or depending on what weather I see in the visualization, I'll know what time frame it is. But yeah, I absolutely can't read myself. And it sucks because it's like, I'm such a good reader. I'm such a good psychic. My intrinsic knowledge is like my pineal gland is huge. Like it sucks because I would love to have a reader like me. I'm trying to teach my friend so that to be more open. So maybe she could read me. That's like, yeah, I figure that's probably what it was, but it's just, it's, I wasn't, I wasn't completely sure how, sometimes it's interesting. It's like, you know, I can give, I can give great advice to other people, but never follow it for myself. You know, I can say, yeah, you should do this. And I'm like, oh, that worked out great. And I'm like, wait, what, what, how did I screw that up? You know? It's because all of like, you know, as a human being, you have preconceived notions or like desires to like, even with advice, you're like, this is the best path. But then it's like, everybody's got their own baggage. Everybody's got their own, what I call yeah. karma. So it's like you have your own karma, your own things to sift through, and um, you're going to lean towards one side or the other. So you're biased. Exactly. Already. Yeah. You'd have to go into severe, severe meditation, like, and just be completely silent, mentally and karmatically. But then you'd be a monk. Then you wouldn't even need advice. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, 
<laughs> Pick your battles, man. I know it's been very monk-like lately, but I know normally, I mean, I know you're always, uh, you always have to go and do shows. And I know another thing we were going to talk about is um, your love for fashion. Because I know that obviously plays into how you're marketing yourself, too. Yeah, I mean, I love fashion. So I was modeling since I was, like, really young. And I was, like, the short, weird little model. They were like, hey, listen, um, you're really beautiful, but... If you took off that Gigi Allen shirt and grew your hair out of a mohawk and and maybe grew some eyebrows, you'd be more <laughs> successful. <laughs> what? There's no market for that, you know. <laughs> My girlfriend at the time was like, "Listen, stop talking about grindcore," and I was like, "But what about porn grind?" And she was like, "Stop it." <laughs> exactly. Uh, do not wear a gore guts shirt to a go see. Uh, yeah, so. I did all of that, and uh, I kind of fell in love with fashion because it's, if you make it artistic, it can be. Like color palettes, um, style, mixing different elements of style. Like I really like gothic style, but not in like the traditional, but I don't mean necessarily in the traditional, like when I say gothic, people picture like Peter Steele, but it's like gothic is artistically basically a kit bash of grotesque and horrific with romanticism and beauty yeah exactly so i mean it in the more traditional sense so i really like like that kind of like burlesque tinged stuff but high fashion so it's kind of like really grotesque but really cleaned up but really out there which is avant-garde avant-garde fashion is a sect of fashion which is like um more artistic like I did this shoot with like um, an ace bandage wrapped around my head and like angel wings. So that's more avant-garde and of course high fashion. And those are all, all really like uh, highbrow kind of fashion stuff. So yeah, I mean, I love fashion more artistically so, but. You had like a photo thing recently because like some, some Maxim model contest or something like that. And you had sort of like the leather outfit with the boots and the whole bit. Oh, yeah. Well, so there's this interesting thing that a lot of times I, um, uh, yeah, my friend Trevor from Black Dahlia told me that uh, he's funny. He was like, am I allowed to say that I this is my favorite version of you? I was like, yeah, dude, you're allowed to say. You're allowed to say whatever the fuck you want right. to say, man. But he called it like the evil Eve. And I'm like, no, it, it, um, it, there's always Satan there. It's. It's just like under wraps, but um, that <laughs> behind every smile is a Satan in every bite. <laughs> that's your that's your motto. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. I what I've been on this thick Jesus thing lately. That's that's really? been my thing lately. Thick Jesus, yeah, dude. Fucking thick Jesus. It's it's been evolving to the thickening, or what is it? Partnership for a thicker America. <laughs> Where does that stem from? Well, okay, so everybody's been gaining weight, and as a woman, a lot of my female followers and a lot of my friends have been really upset that they've been gaining weight, and, you know, as a model and, like, somebody who's kind of, like, modeling is really strict. Like, they're like, hey, listen, you know, that two pounds on your ass got to go. There's a lot of pressure, and it, and it's it doesn't make a lot of people feel good when they gain weight because of society, not because... They don't feel good about it. It's just society, right? Exactly. So my whole thing was like, hey, why don't I make gaining weight cool? Like, so instead of being like, listen, I gained pounds and I am upset. I was like, hey, listen, I gained 15 pounds and I look better than I've ever looked. So thick Jesus makes them say, oh, my God. (laughs) So it started off as a joke where I was like, you know, like 
this extra 15 pounds is great and you should enjoy your extra 15 pounds, which is kind of how that shoot started. Cause I was like, you know, it's Maxim styled for whatever reason. My art is kind of like, there's always like a muse. There was this guy that I really liked. Right. <clears throat> now I don't talk to, <clears throat> I didn't clear my throat for any reason. There was no, <laughs> there was no fun. Just to me, just, all right. Just, there was, it wasn't shade. I want to be very clear about that. There was no shade. Okay. Uh, no shade to be had. But yeah, so I had done that shoot where I was like, you know, I want to show people that you can be sexy and beautiful and whatever you want to do at any weight. Because even like a lot of my friends who are entertainers are like not taking pictures of themselves. They feel ashamed that they put on weight or look different. And I'm kind of just out there saying, hey, man, like, whatever, bro. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I'm thick now. I love it. I love it until I don't love it and then I'll change or get thicker. I don't fucking care. It does. I don't know. I didn't really think about it when I saw those recent photos, to be honest. Well, I mean, for me, you know, my fans are really like a cult. So they're like really involved in my life. All of them hear me airing my dirty laundry. Yeah. All of them know who I'm talking to, who I'm seeing, like behind the scenes. They all know who the songs are about or at least... um take guesses who my art's about, like stuff like that. Like, so they know, and they've kind of followed me through my life journey, uh, my artistic journey, my growth as a person. So like last year I was extremely depressed and I had actually gotten extremely thin, but it was no fault of my own. It wasn't like a conscious effort. I had just been highly depressed. So I had lost so much weight and it was very scary to me because I just didn't feel good if that makes sense so gaining this weight in a way was was like I was really excited but then I didn't know how to feel I was like wow because society tells you like you gained weight and now you are fat so like that kind of was in my head but I didn't think I was fat or anything it was just kind of like society says this is bad but I'm not really buying it (laughs) well you have to have a strong sense of self yeah of course to me it was just like going from being practically emaciated to being thicker so really not thicker just normal (laughs) i guess i guess i mean i don't really i think that whole thing about like you know dieting and and all that and i hear my guy friends too like i have a lot of guy friends that um you know play in bands and stuff and they're all like super like self-conscious about weight and stuff and and i understand why it's like you know magazines and like Things like that tell you, like, you should look a certain way or they'll put a certain person. But they don't know what it took for that certain person to look that way. Like, I've dated models in the past, male models, yeah. and it's like, they're not happy. That's a lot of them, you know, that's that's their money. So that's they have to protect that. And it sucks because a lot of people don't get to see that side. They just see, like, oh, here's pretty picture. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they don't understand, like, you know, sometimes... It's it's not grass isn't always greener, you know, but um, for me, it's just like I was just like, yeah, man, I, I gained 15 and I love this 15. I love the shit out of this 15. So that's kind of my whole thing with that. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, your music's very eclectic. You kind of pull from different genres and you're trying different types of photo shoots. So the sort of the mentality kind of crosses over how. I, I see some performers who do so many photo shoots and have so many sexy pictures. I'm like, that's great. At the same time, I, I don't want it to distract from the art either. There might be people getting pulled in there that are not being pulled in there for the art necessarily. Like, do you do you try to find the right balance between your fashion and, and promoting your music? 
Well, so the whole thing about it is it's all tied in together. So my whole process is like more often than not, I'm kind of like, I guess like Prince in that way where it's like I'll find a muse. It's probably somebody I fell in love with right. a lot of times, um, even though I probably didn't say it at first. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't say it, but maybe I did. And then I just pretended it was a joke. <laughs> So it's somebody that I find really remarkably beautiful, right? And I'll be like, oh, my God. And it's not necessarily, like, physical. I'm just like, wow, I, I am immersed in this person. I'm so inspired by their their beauty, their intellect, everything, right? So, And then I'm just like, I want to make them. It's kind of like a kid making a noodle card, except that's such a bad analogy because my images are very sexy. Right. So that's the worst analogy ever. So I'm just like, you know, I want to make them this present and sometimes it's a song and sometimes it's a photo shoot and it's like kind of like my brain goes, well, you know, they inspire this in me and I know that they kind of like that and I think they will like this and and it's not seeking validation from them. It's really just like a, a romantic gift. So with my fashion, it's like those images, I actually spoke to Victor Wooten, who's a good friend of mine, and I was like, hey man, like... Uh, it's kind of like Bowie, where he makes these really great images and artistic concepts, and then those translate into music. Yeah, yeah. So it's all part of the process for me. And my fans know that. So they're like, oh, gosh, new photo shoot? What's the new music going to sound like? It's really just kind of back-to-back. Yeah, cause it's it, all encompassing. Yeah, because there's some pop stars, I feel like they do so much of that stuff. It's like so many different images. I don't think the music changes that much. You know, it's just more about like trying to market yourself in a certain way. People are very conscious of marketing. I remember growing up in the 80s and that's when it really began to take hold more and more because of MTV. Um, although now everything kind of goes over to YouTube, I guess, these days in online, the online world. It's, very, it's a very different time now because I mean, you're curating your Facebook, you're curating Twitter and Instagram. Although I guess for you, a lot of the visual stuff really fits with Instagram. That's where you have the most followers too. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more of like a community. Like I've built this kind of e-community, this like e-cult around my lifestyle, around my music. And, and like, you know, I've been like on pop charts and stuff like that. And that's cool. You know, I mean, I'm really just like a grindcore metal punk kid. So like, yeah, yeah. to me, I don't really care all too much about accolades like that. I should, but I don't. But for me, it's like my images are really just like more artistic. And like, I understand why pop stars do it. It's like part of their, I guess, branding. Yeah. And, and uh, them, it's branding. like a machine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a machinist mentality. You know what I mean? That's like some, and I'm not knocking it. You know, there's, in my head, there's two, and I can't knock it. There's yeah. two types of musical avenues, right? There's the artist, and then there's the business. So pop music, popular music, is... A business and I get that you know what I mean commercial modeling is a business sure I get that but for me it's like I'm an artist I do what I feel so sometimes things are really out there and for whatever reason they stick but I was gonna do it anyways you know what I mean like so yeah. to me it's like um right now I'm I'm uh you know my friend Eddie plays in suicide silence and he put me onto these cool bands organ ectomy right and I um, so, like, I've been listening to, like, a lot of, like, slam death stuff and, and playing those kinds of riffs. And so, obviously, like, my my newer art visually is darker. It's more inspired by, like, death metal stuff and deathcore stuff. And, yeah. and I'm sure it's going to transpose musically. But I'm kind of removed from, like, the machinist pop 
stuff because I don't give a shit about that, you know. Yeah. It's whatever feels good that, you know, that I'll do. But I, I appreciate them for what they do. It's not I won't listen to it, but uh, <laughs> good for you. So what's a, you know? what's been your favorite fashion trend of the last couple of years? Let's see. Let's see. I really like normalizing dark lipstick. And because I love lipstick, uh-huh. so which this whole mask shit is killing me because I'm like, do I, paint? dude? I was thinking, I was like, should I just paint my lipstick outside of my mask? That would be kind of weird, no, though, right? I don't know. It would look, it would look really like Buffalo Bill. Like I'm gonna be perfectly honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It would look a little serial killer. Well, if you want people to stay but, away from you, then that's what'll happen. You can do that. Well, I did get a Cannibal Corpse mask, which I'm really anxiously waiting for i'm so excited because i was like i need i need a mask that's more me and i i went on cannibal corpse's website and i ordered this mask and i was so hyped so i'm patiently waiting for that but um i think dark lipstick because like when i was younger i used to wear black lipstick and people would be like throwing chocolate milk and shit at me like get away fucking columbine shooter and i was like hey fuck you i just like dark lipstick and now it's like Hmm. dark lipstick and it's cool it's okay. The gothy was kind of growing in the end of the 90s, and then I felt like Columbine was partially responsible for kind of some pushback on that in it because, because everyone misidentified the, the kids as you know, yes. where they're from. Yes. It's like, no, I just like, I just like that, and it goes nicely with my skin, and it's just a preference. I like dark fashion. I like that kind of aesthetic. And now it's more accepted, like avant-garde fashion, even like as streetwear is more accepted. Any, Which is great. Any specific designers that you're finding? I like high fashion. So I really love Alexander McQueen. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. I love Alexander McQueen. Unfortunately, he passed away. But his fashion legacy li- lives on. And um, his shows, like I'll watch his shows. Because they're kind of like, I know like people watch concerts and stuff like that. And, and they wouldn't draw the parallel. But they are kind of like the same. Like. Uh, watching an Alexander McQueen runway show is kind of the same thrill I get from watching a really great concert because it's just like just high art, high artistic concepts mixed with fashion. And I think it's just so beautiful. And he had a lot of like just goth aesthetic, a lot of really shocking and grotesque imagery. It was really beautiful. I like when people take a chance to do something different. Sometimes I'll look at some of these, you know, they'll show you photos of some of these runway models and things like yeah that was a really bad idea and sometimes i think there are some fashion designers that just do that to fuck with people <laughs> just to get see what their reaction's going to be uh, you know i think you can always tell when it's i guess forced you can always kind of tell where you're like this and eh, not so much yeah yeah but there are certain special people like mcqueen is definitely a special person i know there's um i, I don't remember her last name wait let me look it up it's delara uh, Delara, I can't even pronounce her last name. I'm so trash, but I just know her. She's she does this like really great high fashion stuff, and um, okay. it's very avant garde. And her images are very striking, and and kind of have that aesthetic. Unfortunately for me, fortunately, unfortunately, when I try to do like a lot of like really high fashion stuff, it, it's no fault. It's because of my fucking body type and the way my face looks. Right. Everything comes looking sexual but it's not it's not intended to look that way it sucks for me because i'm like it's supposed to look grotesque and a lot of times people don't get that 
I mean, it's okay. What it is, what it is, right? So it's like a lot of it is intended to be grotesque or or high fashion or or stuff like that. But because I'm more curvy, it doesn't come across that way. But if I had like no hips, then people would be like, "Oh, it's so high fashion." So whatever. Well, even even something as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, it changes the pose, poses body language, poses mood, uh, poses art. You know what I mean? If you do it right. It's not just like, hey, look, I'm pretty. It's like you you got to give an emotion. If your images don't give an emotion off the bat, then you're doing it wrong. It's not art. What's been the most challenging photo shoot for you to do? Huh. I would say maybe for me, it's kind of just all encompassing. I'm like, hey, I have these feelings right now. And then I'll just um, I do charcoal drawings and I'll just sketch a bunch of ideas. And I'm like, and I want to do this, this and that. I think the last shoot, because I used these latex ballerina boots, Uh and they're actually for fetish play, but I just like the aesthetic of them because they they give like a different emotion, but you can't walk in them at all. Like they're not intended for walking. So I kept trying to do poses standing up in them and I kept falling over Mm. and it was really brutal, but I, I did enjoy it though in a, in a weird sadistic masochistic kind of way your feet are after that my whole legs hurt after that because you're literally on your toes and they're really not intended for walking and i kept trying yeah yeah so i think that that may have been the most challenging but i do remember like earlier in modeling there's this thing called the golden hour which is like the most ideal time to shoot and that's usually at the dawn or at dusk Okay. And we went to the beach at dawn and it was supposed to be like I was I was modeling bikinis and stuff and it was just like commercial modeling. It was for money, whatever. And I remember showing up and it was like like 35 degrees and the photographer's like, you know, get in the ocean. We have to take these pictures. And to make yourself look like you're not freezing and in excruciating pain, like you're actually having a good time. It was so challenging because I was so fucking cold. I was freezing to death. Uh-huh. And there were close-ups on my face, so I had to be very mindful to not look like I hated every minute of it. Acting. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, you have to be super mindful because it's like the camera will catch everything. You can't lie to the camera. You'll see it. So now for you, is there any particular fashion trend you'd like to see coming back or something you'd like to see that hasn't been done yet? Well, right now I'm really into... I get, and it comes from old school punk stuff, splitting stuff. So like my hair is split dyed now. So I have my wild side and my professional side, split pants and stuff like that. Like I took uh, two of my favorite pants and I put them together. So what colors? Red and black. And then I did this bleach dye bones on them. And then what about your hair? Uh, Right now my hair is half galaxy. So I melted this purple, blue and hot pink together and made like, a galaxy kind of color and then the other side is blonde okay so i've been just like really experimenting with like i guess duality is there any like fashion designer you'd like to work with hmm probably delara oh you know who i really want to work with this guy bradley but him and i are friends but i really want to work with him but it's like kind of weird because we've become friends so i can't be like hey i also really it's kind of this weird line where it's like we're already friends and we've become friendly so i can't be like and also i really like your fashion and everything <laughs> i feel like that's a because he's so cool he does this um 
Black Fist is the brand, but he's so cool. He like mixes punk aesthetic and stuff, and he likes hardcore music. He's just like really cool. Like his fashion stuff is really stuff that I enjoy. But probably McQueen, but McQueen, you know, his legacy or Versace even. I like Versace. Yeah. Versace's nice. But definitely Bradley. I should probably hit him up and just be like balls to the wall. Hey, listen, really like your fashion, even though we're friends. But in that tone, exactly. Well, keep me posted then. Yeah, I definitely will. I'm, I'm definitely do a shoot. I am. I have these shoots lined up out here in L.A. Actually, so people will see that. Right now, I'm I'm toying with this idea. It's called Crystallis. Crystallis is like when a butterfly before a butterfly becomes a butterfly, it's in a cocoon. Yep. So that's kind of my direction of the next few pieces I'm going to be doing. And I watched this movie, The Architect. So I'm kind of like inspired by like technology and like industrial feels. So people are going to see for sure the next set be a little bit different, which I'm excited about. Right on. Well, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. That's been the last time I saw you was, uh, I think it was Idle Hands like four or five years ago. Probably. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, it's weird. Well, I want to see people more, but obviously that's not happening right now. Uh. Everything will come back. I think that's that's kind of where I leave this on is hope. Everything will come back better than it was. We're just rebuilding. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will be coming soon. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I license them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.